This episode of War Talking Drums is brought to you by Los Cabos Drumsticks, Canada's number one drumstick manufacturer. With 22 models to choose from, you can get the right size, weight, and feel for your playing. Los Cabos Drumsticks. Hello and welcome to another episode of War Talking Drums. I am your host, Corey Hoffing. I'm flying solo today without Derek and... I had an amazing conversation with my good long-term friend, Jarrett Maie. He is a an extraordinary drummer as well as guitar player, bass player, and songwriter. He ranges in various projects but is very deep in the hardcore scene in the GTA, Toronto, Hamilton area and is just a phenomenal dude to talk to. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Jared Maie. So how you doing these days, man? You, uh, you've been keeping busy. You've been playing some drums. I know that you uh, not only play drums, but you play guitar in about half a million projects. So, <laughs> you know. I like to, yeah, I'm in every band in Southern Ontario. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. But I, I do I do keep quite busy. Um, I guess that's the interesting part about being on a, a drum podcast or talking about drums is... Uh, well, actually, I don't know if the audience even knows that you and I share the same kind of trajectory. Like, we didn't start on drums. No, no, we didn't. I've talked about it a few times, how I, I started... Did you? Uh, yeah, I started on guitar, and I didn't switch to drums, so I was about 17, 18, right? Yeah, the time... Like, when I met you, you were the bassist for... Crimson no. Shadow, or while you were Swords, Swords of Scorn, of Scorn yeah, yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, me and Jared have known each other way too long, going back to I've known you since the tenth. Yeah, grade. man. Uh, what about like yeah. eighteen years or so, uh, something like yeah. that. So yeah, I remember uh, I was super jealous of your kit back then, and now oh boy. Okay, so let's talk okay, about that. Yeah. Um, how things have changed. <laughs> um, so before we even started this bit, Corey and I were obviously just we talk constantly together so it's like um talking about like drum setups and it's funny because like nowadays like everyone knows me like i i love being very minimalist like you know what i mean like it's one up one down uh crash ride that i also crash on uh and then a china hi-hats and like i don't use like a splash i don't use like a stat like that's that's it you know what i mean one up one down and then like single kick like with a double pedal but back then back when Corey met me <laughs> i was using a 80s Tama Imperial Star with four Roto Toms, four Rack Toms, two Floor Toms, and two 24 inch kicks in sparkly purple. Dude, this thing was a beast. Man. Oh, I, I loved it. It was crazy. Those were 24s, eh? They were 24s. Dude, that kit was massive. Oh. Why did I sit so low? And you, yeah, and you sat super I did that low. Dumb- I did that dumb shit where, like, so, man, sometimes when I see drummers who have, like, the super hard angles on their toms, yeah. like, you could be the best drummer ever, and I'm just like, ah, oh, like, it just drives me nuts that you're doing, like, an outward hit like this. Like, Yeah, you know I mean? dude, I know, but... I've become very fond of, like, 
I don't know. And I know that became like kind of like the thing in like the mid 2000s. And I know it's a bit trendy, but like when everyone went like this straight, like 90 degree tabletop kind of set, like there's something that's just so pleasing about that. My Tom is on like a slight angle, but like everything at my snare is like 100%, like not no lean in any direction. And I actually, I have to use the same snare stand that I've always used because I did this thing where when I was young, like when we first started playing, I loved the sound of like a rim shot. Yeah. And then I trained myself to hit the same spot. Like I just, I, I focused so hard on that, that like the reason why people like tracking specifically my, like, I mean, um, my snare hits have been, have been sampled on a couple records or at least the, the sound of my snare drum has been sampled on a couple records because it's it, it's a good sounding snare but like i rim shot every snare hit i that became like a thing and for i can me. attest to that because i i actually was yesterday going through some of the the gavel stuff that i tracked and and dude yeah i i swear that i had a, a sample one shot sample on it and i went through and i was like no like that's just it like it sounds triggered but it's it's just you like yeah it's crazy man i yeah that's the one thing i can actually say i like about my playing is that like i managed to like i have this snare that i've had since the 10th grade my first good snare drum it's a pearl um mirror chrome so like pre-sensitone days and it's just like this like really like intermediate but not even quite it's, it's almost an entry-level snare it, or at least that's what it was always like to me like i thought it was cool because it was replacing my CB drum that I was still using with that Tama kit. Yeah. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Could you imagine rolling up with this twelve-piece Tama kit and having a CB snare? <laughs> like, I did that oh, for a while, fuck, man. Yeah, <laughs> I did that for a while. So I got this snare, and for it's dude, I've like when I when I finally got like my like a new kit. I'm dude. I remember like that snare got like rolled across like a basement floor like kicked down a flight of stairs like that thing has been through so much and even now the the rim on it is like permanently like bent like in one corner of it i've never fixed it but it's like it rules it's such a good it's that has been used on i use that for like when i did into the fray when i drummed for into the fray which is like members of battle cat and monine that was a really fun project and then um I, I started, I used that in Bien Ejete, my two-piece, like, funk-punk band that I was in for a while. Like, that snare just became the snare for me. Where it's just, like, all I do, the te- I don't really know how to tune drums very well. That's not my forte. I can tune a guitar, like, perfect, but I can't, like, I can't tune drums. Except my kick drum, loose as possible, right? Because everyone wants that dead, slappy, you know, you play heavy music, you yeah, want yeah. that, you know? Uh, and then snare, I tabletop it. Yeah. That snare, the reason why it sounds so good is over the years, it's just got the right amount of rust and the right amount of billet where it's like, I crank it till it cannot go any tighter. And that is the sweet spot. That and all I ever need on it is a an, uh, an Evans dry. I use the vented heads. Yeah, yeah. The uh, SD dry. Yeah, yes, I love yeah. those. I mean, I'll, I'll settle for an HD if it's not in stock. But like, I like the thick plot because it's like, mm-hmm. it's it's a steel shell right it's going to be ringy no it's like more so than a wood drum it's going to have that extra bit of yeah. ring and like you know in previous times i would use like a moon gel if i had them but then eventually i got to the point where it's like that someone suggested that snare head and i've never gone yeah back. I, I i find you don't really need imagine imagine saying to anger if they put a put a fucking vented head on that snare 
It would have made a world oh, of yeah, difference. Probably. And if he actually turned the like, snare wires on for that album. <laughs> oh god, what a bad yeah. time. Let's not go down that rabbit hole, all right, man? Yeah, let's <laughs> let's not let's not go down the rabbit hole where I talked to you about how I grew up loving Lars only to hate him as I got became an yeah. adult. <laughs> Oh boy, uh, that's another. That's a whole other episode. But then, I honestly, I've come <laughs> around to to actually like him a little more these days. So I don't know. Maybe I'm getting too old now. But we won't get we won't get too in depth on it. But I will say that for someone who pushed drumming as far as he did back then, that's the thing. Like, I'm not going to sit there and be like, "Oh my god, he was ever amazing." That's that's never been mm-hmm. the case. But I just feel like for he tried really hard. Like when you listen, when I listen to like justice and and puppets specifically like he was pushing the boundaries of drumming man like, like the first time i ever heard like syncopated drums to a guitar riff like everyone thinks of one yeah oh yeah right like that was awesome but like to see the fact that like you can watch metallica now and like he's phoning it in and kirk has been phoning it in hard for years too meanwhile you've got james hetfield who's like what going through his second round of rehab and he still down picks everything the guy's a weapon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if anything, Lars's and Kirk's like slacking has only made me love Hetfield more. And he's always been kind of a hero for me. So, yeah, man. All right. Moving away from let's, let's just end there. Race. Let's just, yeah. let, we, we, I could talk for days about that topic alone. Yeah, so. I know you could. So, um, but so um, when you went from using this big, huge, massive kit, uh, where did you go after that? Now, I know you, you had a Yamaha kit, um, was that directly after? I, that's awesome that you remember Dude, that. Dude, I love that kit. That thing was sexy. Like, it was nice wood grain It finish. was cool. Like, yeah. Yeah, it was... Um, I bought that... Um, oh God, I think that was... So, the very first job I ever had was at Drummer's Choice R.I.P. Yep. In, uh, here in Brampton. Um, yeah, that was the first job I ever had. I'm pretty sure that used kit came in at some point, And I just, like, I... I just realized that, like, I... My taste in drumming and just what I realized I was, I was like, I had this gigantic kit and it's like, I realized like, I don't have the biggest drum vocabulary and like, I still don't, right? Like, um, which I kind of want to touch on later about what I'm kind of, I've, I've got some ideas for potentially a, a YouTube channel that I don't think we've even discussed yet. Actually, no, we did yes, a little bit, did. but a little bit. We- I'll, I'll get to that later. But the idea was that like my taste and my style, was, I was like, man, like I'm not, I don't need these drums. Like, what am I doing with them? Half of them don't even get touched. You know what I mean? That's not the type of player yeah. I am. Um, my approach to drumming is I still play drums like a guitar player because that's what I am first. Yeah. And I was realizing that I'm like, I'm more of the type of drummer to like lay into a groove than to do a lot of like fancy fills and stuff like that, which is kind of what I prefer from drummers I work with anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just like, I just needed less. And I remember I got like, you know, the t- typical five piece, you know what I mean? Two up, one down pick snare and then i had two crashes a ride in a china hi-hats yeah and then even then i realized i i really started getting used to like i loved having the ride where your second rack would be yeah and again i realized i'm like i don't need again like i could do without another rack tom so it's like then i just scale down from there you know what i mean like uh- so then I went, yeah, I, have, I eventually was using that Yamaha for a while. That was eventually uh, retired as my like my practice mm-hmm. kit. And I would just like leave that at whatever jam space um, that I was playing at. And then my live kit, um, also through working at Drummer's Choices for a while, we were the only dealer in Canada to deal with C&C drums, mm-hmm. um, which 
Uh, fortunately, I got a kit. Like the, that company has kind of changed over time, but like back then, like mid two thousands, like you had like SJC, uh, CNC, um, and like a, that's like the mid two thousands is like during that whole like the the like the super scene years, like the MySpace yeah. oh, era, yeah. <laughs> like. That was where all these cool like little custom shops like Canada we had U Drum mm-hmm. right like oh, yeah. there's all these little smaller builders popping up out of everywhere and um, yeah so CNC was from Kansas and like me being a huge Coheed Cambria fan as I still am I remember always liking their shit and we got one of their kit um, like I was like oh he plays on CNC and then you look at their artist roster and at the time like CNC is like huge artist roster right alongside SJC and. We got one of their kits in store. Um, it got used in an Emmanuel video, a Census Fail video, and I think a Census Fail tour. And like this, these drums had seen some heavy use. And we got them in, I think, with like used heads on it, and it still sounded just so good. Yeah, I remember. I remember and, when um, you got that kit in and just hitting the kick drum, and I was like, "Oh, that's dirty." That's right. Didn't you actually? That's a fun fact. Did you? You came into the store the day I was working. And my kit had just yeah. arrived. Oh yeah, and like I didn't even put a kick drum pedal on it. I yeah, got like I a just mallet grabbed... and we just gave it like oh, a boom. I was like, oh, oh man, yeah. Um, actually, the, here's a fun thing too. Is like those sizes. Uh, one of the, one of CNC's artists that that also really gave me like the hey, you should try these out. Uh, Peter Kapan from Monin, local legends. Monin, he uh, I he's a single kick player. Um, and he doesn't use a double pedal at all, but. He always had like he had a bit of a quick single foot, and I always remember when they would play. I always liked the fact that it it his kit had that kind of like had that punch. It still had like that oomph, that like low thud, but the the hits were always really articulate. Yeah. And I was like, "What size do you use, man?" He's like, "Dude, twenty by eighteen. You will not regret it." And especially me not being a very tall player, and I like to have my kit very tight and like you know I like to try and minimize movement. I like a really tight kit. Yeah. So the 20 inch allows also my snare to have proper clearance so I can push it very like I like my snare very far forward. And so I can sit with my legs also at almost more of like a 90 degree because I'm, you know, my snare is able to kind of be over top of my kick drum a bit. Like that bottom rim is like actually able to get in that space where like a 22 might not let me. Absolutely. But I just love that that smaller circumference, but with a longer kick, like just man, it, it still rules. I, I like have the same head on that thing that I've been using for like five years. I haven't changed it. Yeah. It still sounds amazing. Yeah, man. And, I don't even And care. actually around that same time, uh, I got my first big kit from Drummer's Choice as well. And that's why I went with the... Was that when you switched to yeah, tie? when I got that tie kit. I ordered yeah. that through Drummer's Choice and I got 20 inch kicks with that because I wanted my toms a little lower. I because I had a twenty two yeah. before that, but because that was be- that was before you were using the actual like rack, like you were putting them on the 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 palm mounts, yeah. right? Like on which the I I absolutely yeah. hated. I hated that. I hate <laughs> anything attached to my drums because I had cymbal stands coming out of it too. Yeah. And when you're doing double kick and riding on like a crash that's attached to your kick drum, yeah. it's just so much yeah, vibration yeah. going through. I imagine it. like, ugh. Yeah, I wasn't triggering at that. That time, was when, so you know. Oh, true. Yeah, that's right. You were going natural. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah, still. Maybe. I rarely ever use a trigger. I, I the only time I ever used a trigger was when I was doing the Pantera cover band, Vulgar Display of Pantera. Yeah, in which I played the role of Vinnie Smalls. 
That's um, incredible, man. But uh, oh, also weird thing. Imagine we're hey, what's up? We're vulgar pan, vulgar display of Pantera. We have two left-handed guitar players, both named Greg. <laughs> of course you do. Yeah. <laughs> oh fuck, that makes sense. Also, I would like to put out a PSA to say that, especially in mine and Corey's local scene here in Southern Ontario, there's too many Gregs. Too many Gregs. There's way too many Gregs. Well, at least one of the Gregs moved moved away. He's still from here. He's still, he still from counts. here, but he's in Kingston now, so, you know. Greg Mortley, Greg Rounding, Greg Wright, Greg Dawson, my my drummer for Gavel and Burden, uh, Greg McGovern. Too many Gregs, like, man. Too many, you know. Too many Gregs. Yeah. Oh, whoa. They're good dudes, but, God, switch it up a yeah, bit. Yeah, like, can we get a Craig in there <laughs> at some point? A Craig? Can I get a Craig, a Craig. please? Um, yeah, man, honestly, I, I have a virgin kick drum on that, on that 20. And like, you know, what's crazy is I remember get this, um, this, the, that same shitty, like my, my snare that I go to now that's become my go to that little pearl yeah, snare. It is beat to shit um, too, but it's still, it sounds fantastic. It, is, God, it sounds great. Yeah. It sounds Especially so good. Especially for the um, style that you play. It's perfect, man. Like it, it, yeah. it is right. I've, and it, it, it tends to just work for whatever band mm-hmm. I'm in. I, I've, like, I'm actually grabbing a new snare this weekend. Ooh, but, what are you getting? Can um, you talk about it? The one I sent you a photo of, actually. It's a 13 by 6 Orange County maple Ooh, snare. Nice. Yeah, Orange County, man. Like The only people I even know who played on those drums was like Travis Barker and John Otto of Limp Bizkit, So That's killer, man. I'm pretty stoked. They had killer snare sounds, man. Oh, like, yeah. Holy. 100%, dude. <laughs> so I'm very excited to try this thing out. But, um, but yeah, that... Pearl Snare. I bought it off of another local drummer uh, who was working with me at the time, uh, Mitch Siernick, who was in Felix the Asshole. Um, if you remember that band from back in the day, uh, he was also in the punk band Omaha. That guy plays so unnecessarily fast. Like he's one of the fastest punk drummers I've ever heard, and he's so good. Um, he was also in another band called Never Trust a Wizard with my bassist from Bienna Jete. And uh, yeah, I remember I bought that snare off him. There's a reason why I was telling this story. Why was I going there? Oh, God. Jarrett went on a tangent and can't get back now. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, no it's, it doesn't it's happen a, all the time. No, no, no. Never. Either way. It's an awesome but, uh, snare. Uh, That's man. what you need to know. It's a fantastic snare. <sighs> there's, a, there's a reason why I was going down this route. What the fuck were we even talking about? Help me, Corey. Please help me. Uh, dude, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's okay. We'll edit this in oh, post. Oh, yeah, dude. Fine. Always. As everybody knows. But, but yeah. um, That, yeah. um. That's, I don't know, I think we were talking about my, my DNC kit, and then we kind of went from there. I can't remember. But. Yeah, man. All right. Well, let's hop on um, and, and talk about some of the bands that you're playing drums for right now. Um, sure. One of the main ones is Hostage. And do you guys just go yep. by Hostage, or uh, do, you, do you add in the uh, area code in there? Because <laughs> That's mainly for, like social media where it's like oh shit this has already been taken yeah see hostage the, i'm pretty sure the band name is you know it's like it's every hardcore band's dilemma oh the, the handle's been taken add hc yeah. to the end oh that's been taken add your area code F- that's just that is the hardcore dilemma every hardcore band in existence knows that struggle of being like oh we're this band and then maybe like especially in the states you'll see it's like hey we're fucking like uh, whatever name and then they add like the abbreviation of whatever state they're from because there's probably another one somewhere else in the country and they have to oh yeah 100 well, 
It's like the whole Bush X thing. Oh yeah, but that was just stupid. There'll always be Bush. Great. <laughs> anyway, so tell tell us about about hostage, <laughs> hostage without any numbers after it, and uh, hostage. What, um, what's that like? And uh, you know how is it playing with those dudes? Um. So, okay. For some reason, like like. Two of the bands I jam in, both Gavel and Hostage, are now they're they're Hamilton based. Um, although the members from Gavel were originally from Mississauga and stuff, but like, essentially, what ended up happening was is right around the end of Into the Fray, because um, Jesse and Lewis, who were in Battle Cat and also in Into the Fray, um, there's like this whole network of like Hamilton hardcore bands, mm-hmm. and um, their buddy Jay Scarlino who was the vocalist. Do you remember the band Lions? Yeah, I do, definitely. So he was the vocalist for Lions, and then he was doing um, vocals in a band. It was originally called Hostages, and then it got switched to just Hostage. He contacted me. I can't remember even how, but he got a hold of me and was like, hey, so like Into the Fray is not really doing much. And I was like, no. He's like, what are you doing now? I was like, I don't know. Like, not much. You know what I mean? Like, I'm... Kind of just, I'm like I'm still playing guitar. I'm just like I'm like I'm not gonna stop doing music, but like currently I'm not really doing much of anything drum wise. And he was like, "Hey, do you want to like come be part of this?" And I was like, "I remember I had heard the tunes, and I was like, oh, yeah, I want to do that.' Because it was just like it's constantly because it's like you know, as you know, like my first band was Amareth, like you know, metal band, right? Oh, yeah. Like, um, and then after that, I'm trying to think what the next thing I did after that was. I can, I'm trying to remember what my trajectory was musically, but I mean, there was like, in, there's all this in between stuff. Like I did Gunner for a little while with, again, with like friends from around the, the Toronto area and from here in Brampton. Um, and then I did Bien Jete, Um And at some point, and then, uh, then I started doing, so I guess I did a lot of like non-drum stuff because I did Sparrows. You know what I mean? Like there was a lot of stuff you're just, uh, you're playing guitar in, in between there. Um, yeah, guitar, uh, bass. I was in Sparrows. Burden. I was guitar in. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, so it had been a bit since I was playing drums in a heavy band since Into the Fray. Yeah. And obviously, like Into the Fray was like still you know hardcore, very fast, bat, 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 like classic like punk drums, but like with heavier riffs. And but then I heard Hostage, and it was like lots of like, oh, like mean single foot blasts and like. It just, I knew that I was going to have, like, upon hearing it, I was like, I know I can do it. Mm-hmm. I also know that I'm going to have to, like, step up a bit. And, like, I'm probably going to have to, like, push to, like, get my stamina to play these tracks. And, like, it's like, like a slight learning curve where it's just, like, I knew I could do them. I knew I could. I just, but, like, to do them for as long as, like, some of the songs require and just to, like, get used to, I don't know. It was, it was awesome. Like, being in Hostage is, like got me back into playing some of the heavier drums that I, I was used to in like my younger years. It was awesome. Yeah, man. It's good to, to step into a project that you are passionate about the music and it pushes yeah. your, your playing to, yeah, to, to get better really. So yeah, yeah man, that's absolutely. It, it definitely, I definitely noticed that I was going to have to push harder to be in this band. But like once I got settled into it now, it's like, man, being hostage is like, the writing process is just so fucking fun. I find that like a lot of what happens for me, no matter what band I'm in, is I think maybe it's because of the fact that like I'm a guitar player first, is that like my job is the drummer slash arranger. 
uh, most of the time. If I'm playing drums in a band, it's like I'm usually with a bunch of dudes who like they're like throwing riffs at me. And I'm like, yep, cool. And then it's like I do a lot of like, I mean, they usually have a basis of a song built. Yeah. But a lot of time it's me being like, okay, what if when we come back to this part, we do like half and then we go into like this next part and like I'll be like, here, feel feel this out. And I'll kind of have these ideas of where, how we can like segue parts, how we can connect material. And like a lot of my job is just to kind of like take the riffs that we have and try and like organize it. Um, And it's, I, I think it's easier on them because as it gets, it's like as a guitar player, that's still what's in my brain when I approach drums. So every time I play, it's like this. And they're usually like, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. I'm like, yeah, that's because I'm thinking like a guitar yeah, player. Exactly. Still, that that is always my approach. Yeah, man, that's that's awesome. It's a great great way to uh, approach things. And I know, like, playing guitar and everything in my younger years, and being a part of the songwriting process with Crimson and every other project mm-hmm. I've kind of been a part of has helped me yeah. uh, with writing my drum parts and making sure that things match the way that the guitarist envisioned it when they wrote it so like because that's a big part when whenever you're writing a riff or or anything like there's a certain feel you have for it and if some guy comes Mm. in it's just like oh and just plays a beat without thinking about it you know then it's kind of gonna kill the whole vibe of of the song and the riff so the funny thing is, is I like this is a conversation that I've kind of had a bit more recently, where it's like I realized my approach to drumming is what's gotten me a lot of my gigs, and it's because I'm, I'm just uh, this is going to be a weird take to say on a drum podcast. <laughs> um, most drummers annoy the shit out of me. Um, I typically have like drummers, I almost can't stand them. Like anyone who's like just a percussionist, oftentimes like really just grinds my fucking gears. It's cause it's like the, the, you know what it's like when you get into the drum community, especially at a drum store, like drummers are very, it's like a whole different vibe than if you're a guitar player or a bassist. It's like, there's an appreciation for the instrument, but like the drum like community is so just like, there's, it's a different beast, man. And like drummers are just so, I think it comes with the fact that it's a it's a complex instrument, and no matter how like you know each instrument has its own nuances and complexities, but like drumming is just that it's a bit of extra weird. It's like your entire body is doing all this weird shit, and so there's like I think it sometimes comes with a bit of like extra elitism to a degree. Like do you know what I mean? And so it's just like I feel like drummers sometimes get so caught up with being drum and percussion centric that they forget that there's an entire other band. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's like, I've spent a lot of my time as a guitar player having to wrangle drummers. Yeah. yeah do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, you have to sit there being like, can you please do less? Like, did you need to do that, Phil? Did you need to do all that stuff just to jerk off, like, your own ego, like, on the kit? And to the point where, like, why do you think so many times it's just like, oh, Jared's playing guitar in the band. I'll probably end up tracking the drums too. And that's not for me to try and boast as like I'm better because I'm not. Like they're most of the time they're way more talented. Like these guys are like, I'll I'll mention right now. Like I'm not going to say his name because I don't think it deserves to get mentioned because I can't stand him anymore. But a local musician that I relied on for years and used to be a very close friend of mine, um, insanely talented, like so otherworldly talented at drums. But a lot of the time, it was me just being like, how, just being like the classic do less. Yeah. Uh, can you do this? Do, do less. less. Well, now you're doing nothing. Do uh, less. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? 
And I know that's it's hard, especially when you're approaching a drummer for like a heavy project, because it's like the the prerequisite most of the time in heavy music is to do the most. Well, especially I mean? in, if you're talking about metal or like extreme music, yeah, yeah. more, more is yeah. more. Yeah. So, yeah. It, like, and there is there is some legitimacy to that. There is some merit there, but sometimes it's like I remember at one point someone told me like. Yo, if you just spent like an entire song blowing your load at 260 BPMs, like just like the entire time, what further dynamic do you have to go to? You've literally just like completely gotten rid of your dynamic range. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you, there's no more full bore that you can go to. Maybe you throw in a blast, but it's like, it's like if you're doing just so much all the time, it's like, what are you going to wow people with or really impact them? You know what I mean? And I think Mm -hmm. along with scaling my kit down, I've also scaled down like my approach to drums where like some of my favorite drummers sometimes is like leaving. Oops, sorry. I'm hitting the, hitting the microphone stand with my, I'm going to open this bubbly right here. Oh, beautiful. There we Get go. It in, yeah. This is all Corey's fault. Yeah. <laughs> Got me hooked on this while we were recording drums. Yeah, sparkling but, um, water. The idea sorry. is that like leaving space for riffs and things to happen sometimes is so effective. Like, um, I'm gonna. Th- I'm wondering if this will even translate. But there's that one riff that you helped me record. Where it's like dan it, dan it, dan it, dan it, dan it, it. And it's like I could just do like a a kick drum that follows that whole pattern. But it's like why not articulate the dan it, dan it, dan it, dan it, It's like it the the riff pops more, and I think speaks more to the piece because like I'm still keeping the bell on those quarter notes or whatever eighth notes, I don't yeah. I don't actually know how to read music yeah. so what are are, are the eight, eights yeah, tell me the eighth notes yeah see and this is how little of a drummer I am yeah <laughs> like I don't I don't know how to read I don't know what notes are I just I know what stuff feels like and sounds like yeah. so I'm holding that down with the ride so then I'm punching those articulations where it's like it's not even on the chugs it's actually when I do the open like chord where I, I don't palm mute that I'm accenting those with the kick drum. And it's like those kind of it's like those kind of dynamics became more interesting to me over time. I found that that's what helped riffs like really pop out at you. And like some it's like the absence of drumming sometimes when it just when the drummer decides to give her, it's like, oh, it just it hits so much harder that way. Yeah, you know leaving like, that empty I, space. I feel like that dynamic range of music really, I found that to be more impactful. Yeah, when when you give that empty space, it definitely, it makes those other parts hit way harder. And yeah, yeah man. man. Uh, like, I, I know you, you 100% play for feel. And it's funny because yeah. listening to it, you can you can feel you're playing a lot, but I just like enjoy hearing how you think about going into writing those drums and playing it that way. Thank you, because like it's really interesting just to hear it from your perspective of things. Because a lot of guys, yeah, they would just go in and do eighth notes and and that's it, and or maybe just throw a blast in yeah, there do, and do, be do, like, do, okay, it'd be just, great. Yeah, or or go yeah. along with yeah. all the chugs and everything, and just fill in all those gaps. But leaving those spaces but is the, what makes but it. But you could also, heavy. and and this is the thing. Like my approach there is too is like you could also do that, right? Start off with the dan it, dan it, dan it, dan it, dan it, and then build up to dan it, right? Like those are the types of things where it's like you can still do that beat, but maybe just don't go to it right away. It's like build to that point. Like you can create so much more tension, and you can create like so much more feel and depth and dynamics to your music simply by thinking of like where you don't need to play. Yeah. 
and that and that's that's been my biggest gripe is that like I've dealt with a lot of really really like drummers that like blow me out of the water like hard like, like drummers that just like can destroy me behind a kit but it's like is, is that helping my song though is that helping the rest of the band because they just they don't know when to just hold back and let a song breathe a bit mm-hmm. yeah. Do you know what I mean so like a lot of that has been you know me and a lot of them take great direction right like actually the drummer um the drummer uh that i have for gavel right now um is my old drummer from uh burden greg mcgovern he's an amazing musician like he's like he's like a well-learned musician right like he plays piano he plays a bit of guitar he's done audio like like he and he's like he's gifted with jazz as well so it's like like his his wealth of knowledge also permeates into his playing so there's a lot of times where like he likes the the he he listened to the drums that I played on those demos that we did with yeah. you. And he's like, I like most of what you did here. And then he'll just do these, like what he and his brother, um, my bassist Jordan, um, they create this amazing team as the bassist and drummer where they do what's called polishes. And it's like, they'll never really mess around with like the integrity of your original idea, but they'll just do these little tiny tweaks where it's like, Maybe on this one, what if we just added like an extra like hit here? Or what if we did like a thing where we just extended the very last phrase? It's like these little tiny details. I'm just like, when I hear it, when we try it and I listen back, I'm like, oh, that's a fucking wicked idea. And it's just, and it's like your song is still completely intact. Like the original idea is still all there. It's just that they put these little things where it's like, how do we make this going from like a song that was already cool, but like, how can we make this pop out at you a bit more? upon like listening to it further and greg specifically who'll do these things where he pretty much holds very true to the stuff that i originally wrote but then sometimes like a fill or the way he'll articulate a groove just slightly different for me where i'm like i can't do that and i'm glad you did it because like that's not within my skill set and he'll do it and i'm just like oh that just made the part that i already liked way cooler like he's probably one of my favorite drummers to work with because He'll always take my idea and expand on it in a way that I'm so happy with. Yeah, that and dude, like that's the ideal that, drummer. That's a like, needle in a, a needle in a haystack, right there, man. Trying to find a drummer that it's fits. so hard to find. Yeah, man. it's 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 crazy hard, and it's hard to find a drummer that like is actually willing to work with you, um, and not like yeah, like like you said, like have uh, have a bit of an ego maybe, and, and be so in drum world they're not listening to the the entirety of the, like the musical uh land soundscape yeah right and maybe that's because he's a multi-instrumentalist you know what i mean and and again how like you look at the amount of layers in jazz music and it's just like his ability to like his uh ear for composition is awesome it's so good like he's um actually there's one little flourish that he did this little polish that he did on one of our songs that when you hear it, you'll be like, I know you're going to be like, Oh, that's cool. Like, cause he just threw it in at, uh, we did, we had a jam last week and he just threw in this part. Um, uh, fuck. It's like, and the kick drum accents, those palm mutes. And he was like, and I was like, he just did it. Like, and we didn't know it at first, but then so we were like, oh yeah, when we come back to that part, we're doing that. Like, we're going to do that because that was a great idea. Like, he'll just throw those in being like, what do you think? Like, he'll do that during practice yeah. a lot. He'll do a thing and be, it's like, it's like that intention of like, he knows that that's not what was there, 
and he'll just shoot you that look being like, what do you think? <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I'm usually like, yes, that's yes. awesome. It's very rare that I say yeah, no. Going from eighth note to then do triplets and then the next time. And it was, and- it was just on the very last yeah. one. Or the or the second last one, so it's like right in that part where it's like, oh, that changed things up a bit. And it's again, it's these little things that like make him such an interesting player. Yeah, absolutely, man. The the one thing I will say that I think maybe you and I can can kind of both feel uh, about this. And I think that it, it this is for like musicians up like everywhere. Um, I find that a lot of time, like the more you get, getting hairs on your yeah, mic there, Corey. Hairs on my mic. <laughs> Shedding that beard. Um, the Oh, I just put my mouth right on it. Um, the more talented sometimes a drummer gets, sometimes that that like they're almost so technically driven that like they're so they become like really tippy tappy drummers, and that drives me nuts too. Yeah. And that's another reason why sometimes I'll opt like I don't have proper like I'll tell everyone out there in your drum podcast like I do not have proper technique. After this many years, I still have bad technique. I get blisters like where I shouldn't because I'm not using my fulcrum properly like i but i put weight behind my hits because it's like i would almost rather a sloppier drummer like not i have a threshold for what kind of slop i'm willing to allow (laughs) but as a a listener and as a person who likes like i would rather a drummer who's a bit more on the loose side beating the shit out of their kit in a hardcore metal band than some guy who's like super articulate talented but then like plays so, so it's like dude how many times have you been to Corey? How many times have you been to a gig and someone's doing sound check and they're and the drummer's giving you these big beefy fucking hits when he's doing like the individual do it and then he'll play like a simple rock beat for like the overall sound check and it's like yeah then you watch him play and he's like uh, oh, tip, 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 tip. and it's just like great now the sound guy's scrambling to make you actually audible because you don't know how to hit your fucking drum like that shit drives me nuts. Oh too. yeah, hundred percent, man. Like where you know what I mean? Like I understand that like you shouldn't be putting your full like i'm I'm not the kid anymore where i'm like putting my full arm behind every hit because like, that's not conducive to like a conserving your energy or b it's like you know you can utilize your wrist in a way that channels power without having to just like fucking swing at it like a baseball bat but i still i still feel like sometimes guys get so caught up in like such proper technique that it's like dude hit your fucking drum are you in, like are you in a metal band like what are you yeah, doing fucking hit it or did you come here to be in a hardcore band like this music's supposed to be dangerous and aggressive and like fucking like hit your drum hit it it wants to be hit it wants to be you hit know what I mean? yeah like, yeah, <laughs> like i just I, that drives me nuts and it's like and then there's it's this weird like x and y axis where it's like i could plot out on a grid where it's like there's the the sweet spot where it's like you've got the drummers who are either super technical and don't hit hard enough or the ones that beat their kit but are too sloppy and that kind of drives me yeah. nuts too yeah 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 you gotta you gotta like it has to be below that line you can't go above it if you're a band that does breakdowns right and you decide to do like a breakdown and you're gonna slow it down even slower than you did on the record for dramatic effect like i get that i'm about that like everyone loves to be like oh here comes a breakdown oh it's even slower oh my god <laughs> like everyone's been there Corey, you were in Hello Beautiful once. You oh, know what dude, I'm talking about. Break down, you used to break play breakdowns. And then break down China only, again. Only China. Oh, yeah. And we'd play you know it three mean? times slower live. And we would just slow it down until it was nothing. 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 <laughs> like, boom. <laughs> and then we'd start the next song. And- do you remember the time I, I cut my head open on your China because I, I wanted to do the China hit for you? With your head. Yeah. <laughs> At that first Baptist, I just like. 
Oh, fuck, man. We had some so good, good times. But uh, so anyway, but like the idea that, okay, so that's that's a, a one thing that I'm I'm for it. But if you have a song, like it was totally right on the record, those two parts are supposed to be the same tempo. But whenever we go to the punk beat, it would be slowed down because like he couldn't do it. It's like, why the fuck did you do it then? My motto is like, I am myself specifically. I am the Ontario Lottery Gaming Commission of drumming, which is I know my limit and I play within it always. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I'd way rather a drummer. And especially for people like just starting out too. And this is kind of what I want to work on for like maybe I, I've had this idea for like a YouTube kind of channel or like a stream mm-hmm. where. I want to like I want to try and appeal to the more average Joe drummers, which I think I am. Do you know what I mean? Like I get by and I and I play in bands and it and the thing is is I've put in a lot of work into like I don't have the largest drum vocabulary, but I'd rather instead of having like a full quiver, I'd really rather have a smaller one and make my shots count. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like would you rather have a large repertoire that you can't really pull off well or would you rather have less and fucking crush it and knock it out of the park? Yeah. And like that's kind of how I am. Is like I've gotten by having a very like. There's so much stuff that you do that I'm like I don't know how to do that. I have no idea. Corey does stuff that I have no idea how he does that because I've just never learned it. Or and I and I my life is busy enough. You know we're both blue collar workers. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, man. and especially with like being on a bunch of different. Like you at some point committed yourself to drums, which I admire. And and you've become the drummer that you've grown into is so cool to have watched evolve over the years. Like your drumming is so fun to watch because I know where you've been. I know who you used to be and I've watched you only get better and more tasteful and like just more solid and like, and, and that equates to you also as an engineer. Like I just like, I just watch you on this like upward trajectory. I'm like, yeah, fucking Corey's killing it. Oh, man. Thanks buddy. I love that <laughs> for me. I, I, my, especially being ADHD, like straight up, my interests are so vast and all over the place. Music is one thing I can hyper-focus on. It is something that I'm super stoked on, but I'd like to do all of the things. And whether that be different genre, like, you know me, I like a lot of non-heavy stuff, and I like to try and apply a lot of that to the heavy music that I play because I think it keeps my drumming interesting. But that also means, like, I've, I've never really put that much time into one individual discipline. Yeah. So, like, I kind of, I have a, firm grasp on drumming i feel like hardcore is very much my niche of like that's like where i feel most comfortable yeah absolutely and even then there's a bunch of better hardcore drummers but i can guarantee you that like what i do know how to do within that genre i'm going to fucking nail it because i've just i I, i'm not gonna try and do stuff that's like impressive you know what i mean like i don't like to play stuff that's impressive i'd rather play stuff again it's like does this suit the song and if it does, maybe I could do something that kind of pops a bit, but like the song is more important than my ego as a drummer. And so I'd way rather take the little knowledge that I have and like, you know, go in that studio, play that click and just make sure that like everything counts. And that's why even if I'm not playing with the most proper technique, am I bashing that snare so that every hit when you're looking in your Pro Tools, it's like, you know, like you're not having to like rely so much on like that studio magic to get like, you know that snare to be even like have to use too much compression yeah. like things like that i've i think those things are more important to me 
at least for me as a musician and as a drummer specifically. Well, I'll I'll disagree and with uh, your previous statement and say that you are impressive uh, to watch live, have in studio, or anything, Thanks. man. Like it, it, being impressive isn't always about doing intricate fills or or crazy time signatures or anything, but the the aggressive attitude and like approach to the kit and. I think yeah. it just you you can feel that aggression and it they brings it out in the oh. song right like just what yeah especially playing live man like it's it's not an act man like when I get behind that kit and I'm playing like a hostage track like it's like I am like my adrenaline is like surging I'm just like oh here it comes like because like that's what I love about hardcore and stuff like that like I, I love the emotional and physical stuff response it elicits where i'm just like i am on edge in like the most fun yeah, way absolutely man i just wish that people understood it's the, it's funny when you say that because it's like when i see other people that i know who play music and they're watching me i wish they could understand how actually nervous i am because that's like i i'm surrounded by such gifted musicians and a lot of them i'm very proud to call my friends and like when they're in the audience watching me i'm just like the pressure's fucking on man yeah man but you fucking kill it every time man i got to say <sighs> i'm oh, i'm always stoked to see you whether it's behind the kit or uh with the six string in your hands you know like i, I love watching you on stage cuz you just you're so passionate about the music that you play and it's it's infectious Thank it makes you, me want to play more you know <laughs> that's awesome i that, if if i can have that kind of uh influence on anybody that's like that's kind of the best like if i can if if someone gets stoked like that's it right mm -hmm. that reminds me of like the time the my first concert i ever went to that made me want to be a musician in the first place like seeing acdc in like the third grade and like seeing something that crazy and being like i want to do that like i want to do that and it's like if i can have that same response on anybody whether they're already a musician or if it's like a young kid who's just like yo i just saw this local band i want to do that like that is literally the best feeling in the entire world it's so cool yeah well uh, dude my first show ever was blink 182 and travis barker did the whole tommy lee thing where he was in a cage and he went upside down like dude it's mm -hmm. just it's crazy shit and that i didn't know at the time but i i was so drawn to travis barker and 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 playing drums and tattoos and stretched ears and like dude i like dude i, I was like i want to be that guy you know yeah, um man. I, but like he's actually a great example to bring up. Um, I actually there's a couple of drummers I kind of want to address that like I've just been really on about um, some for time, some lately. Like guys who like I like, I think they're they're just better at taking like the approach that I take or like of less is more. Or sometimes they're just like there is this weird hybrid drummer of someone who knows when to play and when not to play, but is also somehow super technically proficient and just writes like the tastiest stuff you've ever heard. Mm -hmm. um, Travis Barker is one of them. Um, so I'll start with him. The thing is, is Travis Barker, he gets so much cred, but the worst part is it's everyone gives him that cred because he's in Blink-182. But like what makes him like as a drummer, what makes him stand out is, and I actually, I had this conversation with uh, your vocalist, Jimmy, our, our good pal, oh, Jimmy. Jimmy. I fucking love it. We drove to Guelph one time together and I found out that he was a Blink fan and I didn't know that because like I usually get hanging around a bunch of metal and hardcore dudes. I get made fun of a bit for like my musical taste because they can vary quite a bit from like the status quo. Like I, I like a lot of poppy shit. Yeah. Oh, oh we, know. we know. Um, yeah. You know this. You've known me for years. I like some question 
questionable things to like the average heavy music listener. But um, Blink, though, Travis is a very musical player. And this is kind of one of the things that I think about some of the other players I want to talk about is like, Travis, think about how many drummers you know that can write a drum lick that actually gets stuck in your head just as much as the main melody of the song. Yeah. Like even like people who don't know how to play um, uh, a music part, like sometimes remember Travis Barker drum parts because he writes stuff that's so musical. It's like, it's, it's almost like he's approaching that instrument like as if it were a guitar or like a vocal thing where it's like he plays these licks and these phrases like it, like that actually like gets stuck in your head. It's catchy. Well, also you you got to think about Blink One Eighty Two doesn't write the most complex riffs, so he no. has a lot of room to breathe yeah. within that. And like, yeah, he for the most part he keeps the groove solid, but then when there is times he he writes some tasty little fills that really get stuck in your head, like hundred percent. Man, like sometimes like what was that one song where it's like. Um, it's on, oh God, it's on Enema of the State. Um, what was that? That whole album's killer. He does that, that whole section where it's like the pre-chorus, it's like a samba, like a weird, like Latin, like samba-esque kind of pattern where it's like, where would you hear? It's like, if you weren't listening to like, like, you know, music from another culture, it's like, where would you hear that? It's like, he's like. And that's the cool thing about certain drummers is like applying those things that you would learn from like like Afro-Cuban or like Samba or like, you know, Calypso or like all these different styles of drumming that you can take from around the world. It's like and like apply these kind of ideas mm-hmm. to a, a style of music that wouldn't necessarily go to that. You you can stand out so much as a player. And Travis does that all the time. And not to mention his his marching background. Some of, some of the stuff where he's just doing nothing, like that guy could kill anybody with just a snare drum. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> like all this parts on Blink One Eight Two albums where he's just doing nothing but a snare roll, but he's just he's doing like these kind of rudiments and making it's like God, it's all, I never get bored. I never get bored of his playing, but he does have a lot of room to do that with like you 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 got it right. And they did that in an interview. They mentioned that where it's like he's like when when they gave him the freedom to do so, where they were like, oh dude, you can change the entire way a song feels because we're just playing power chords so if you change up the drums the song sounds so different yeah you know what i mean the getting him was amazing another one is um eddie thrower he's a uk drummer um he was in a band that i loved called lower than atlantis um their earlier stuff is like a mix between it's funny because it's they were technically a hardcore band but they're it's and they were equally influenced by blink 182 and also like uh, like go it alone and like where like you have a band like a data member who actually i enjoy a data member but they're they're like the kill switch engage of um of kind of like that genre of like hardcore or like whatever you want to call it or easy core i don't know it, the idea is that you've got usually your formula of like heavy part soft part so it's like either you're doing the heavy verses and poppy choruses or you're doing the poppy verses and heavy or did I say the same thing? Either you know what yeah, I mean. Like it's yeah. like that formula of going back and forth between two, which again they do it well, and I like it. I, I'm not going to tell you I don't listen to a day to remember and enjoy the shit out of it, but the way they did it was a little bit more organic, and they're like influenced also by like Smashing Pumpkins and a lot of like '90s alt rock and stuff. It's like they had this weird, very awesome approach to blending the two genres, and their drummer. It's just like he's such a finesse player. And if you're a drummer and you actually listen to those Lower Than Atlantis records and really hear what he's doing and how he's doing it, you're like, 
fuck, this guy's great. And he can be so musical at times. And the crazy thing is, is that they got really poppy towards the end. And I started kind of like falling off a bit because I really liked what they did on the first few records. But coming back to that now and already being kind of a fan of pops, like sometimes you just have to like admit when a banger is a banger. And even if I don't like the way they went, it's like what he did on some of those later tracks, allowing himself for more creative drumming like some of the like i'll send you some links man like the the, the stuff that the guy writes again so musical mm-hmm. even sometimes in the way he just like articulates a phrase sometimes he's gets splashy with like his actual splashes and does like some little quick little symbol work sometimes that that pops out at you or just like i don't know stuff like that or uh how uh i kind of got reintroduced to him through the podcast the downbeat with craig reynolds who's the drummer from straight from the path and again, straight from the path, hardcore band, kind of bouncier kind of style riffs, very groove heavy, like super groove yeah. heavy. And like clearly very influenced by Rage Against the Machine, especially in like later years. But like some of the stuff that he's articulating, just like he creates some amazing grooves within the realm of hardcore by using maybe some more like stuff that you would find prominent in like a hip hop groove or like, and again, it's sometimes it's where it's like a riff might be busier, but he's accenting specific parts of the riff with the kick drum while maybe he's holding down a ride beat. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's filling up the space with snare and ride and then really hammering down on some of the more chunky parts of the riff or stuff like like stuff like that really catches my attention these days. It's like that that more musical style of playing. Oh dude, absolutely man. That's what I've always loved. Like yeah, dude, I love blast beats for days and and fast double kick and all that, but when you when you get a a truly musical player behind the kit, it, it's just a whole other beast. You know? 100%. Yeah, well, I think that's a great place to end this, man. Uh it's been yeah. awesome having you on and uh I'm Thank sure you. we'll do this again soon. I would love to, like, man, if you'll have me on it, like, I would love to just talk, like, throw a topic at me because you know that you and I can talk for hours, especially myself. Yeah, absolutely, I can't stop. Um, I just want to give a quick shout out to, um, there's a couple players, like, obviously, I already mentioned Greg McGovern, um, my buddy Matt from Reliever, um, to anyone who wants to check out the hardcore band Reliever, they're from Windsor. Um, a great hardcore band Matt is like just a fucking weapon and such a pleasure to to watch on drums um, my buddy Darren um, my drummer for Powerbomb uh, fun fact he actually writes pretty much all the music for Powerbomb I'm, I'm there to play guitar um, he's also another one of those guys where his phrase like he writes a part like it's a guitar part and plays it exactly the same way every time and th- and he's so meticulous in the way he phrases things where he's like every beat is like properly planned out and strategized i gotta give credit out to him um trying to think if there's anyone else that's like in my mind oh nat from uh from diehex uh, again another great dude that guy i've just much like yourself i've just watched him go from already being like a really great drummer to just like constantly improving and improving and improving to a point where he's just he's such a he's a weapon as well um i and i think I'll, if we ever do this again i'll have some more but like i just wanted to shout out those dudes because uh I think they're they're definitely some of my favorite drummers within like the the Ontario music scene. Sick, and you gotta support local local hardcore, man. Always, they're they're dudes they're dudes who both I just love listening to. They're friends of mine, but like they actually inspire me, like drum wise. Like Mm -hmm. it's not just like lip service. Like these guys genuinely, um, I'm constantly probably like lifting ideas. You know what I mean? 
because that's what you do when you don't know a lot about drums <laughs> like me. You you lift you lift things from your favorite drummers and try and apply them to yourself. And I've definitely done that with all of those dudes. They they influence my playing a lot. That's so. killer, man. Awesome. Hopefully we'll have yeah. uh, some of those guys on sometimes too. Oh my God, please. If I can hook them up or if I can kind of get you in contact, like you definitely need to check some of these guys out because they are, they're doing some wicked shit. Cool, man. That's excellent, dude. Yeah, buddy. All right. You take care and everyone out there, keep drumming. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're feeling especially kind, we would love it if you would share this with a friend or two. If you have any comments, questions, or even suggestions for future shows, please let us know. You can fire us a message, and we'll do our best to get back to you. Catch you next time.